How Did We End Up Here? And I am your host, Amber Hammond. This is a history podcast where I explore varied parts of the human experience through time, locations, and various cultures. So thanks for joining me for this journey. Today, we are going to be looking at Halloween. Halloween's origin traces back to the Celts' New Year festival. The Celts were a group of people who lived 2,000 years ago. They lived in Ireland, England, and northern France. For them, November 1st marked the first day of their calendar year. October 31st represented their last day of summer and their harvest as they transitioned into winter. The winter was a time associated with darkness and death. On this day of transition from summer to winter, from harvest to death, the Celts believed that the boundary between the realms of the living and the dead would be weak. During that time, it was believed the ghosts would return to the land of the living. On the night of October 31st, the Celts held a festival known as Zoween, which translates to summer's end. The spiritual leaders of the Celts were called Druids. This was an important night for them. As the veil between the worlds became thin, they were capable of receiving prophecies, or so the stories say. These prophecies were very important to the people. The Celts were completely dependent on the natural world, so these prophecies provided hope, light, and order as they faced the oncoming winter. To commemorate this day, the Druids built large sacred bonfires. People would extinguish their hearth fires at home and gather around the bonfires. They would make religious sacrifices of crops and animals into the flames. In the morning, they would relight their hearth fires from the sacred flames to help ward off evil in the coming winter months. During the Sowing celebration, this was a time meant to honor the harvest, so the communities would gather to feast. There would be drinks and food for everyone. Traditionally, they would slaughter cattle for the feast and toss the bones into the sacred fires that were built by the Druids. These fires were called bone fires. Language changes over time, though, and the term bonfire eventually morphed into bonfire. As they celebrated the end of summer with fires, food, drink, and other festivities, they remained aware that it was the night where ghosts would return. The spirits of loved ones past were expected and welcomed. They would set out food for the souls of their loved ones in hopes of seeing them once again. However, not all spirits were good, or human for that matter. Elves, sprites, fairies, and dark spirits were just as likely to pay a visit. It was also believed that the souls of the dead would go to seek vengeance on people that had wronged them in their lifetime. People would darken their faces with the ashes of the bone fires as an attempt to hide their appearance. It was also a form of protection to use the ashes from a sacred fire to ward off evil. Eventually, this developed into people wearing masks to deceive ill-intentioned spirits. The Celts believed they would be able to recognize the spirit of a loved one and remove the mask for a reunion, and then replace the mask to stay hidden from evil forces. As time went on, Rome eventually conquered the Celtic lands in 43 CE. The Celts would go on to live under Roman rule for 400 years. During that time, their cultures became mixed. Two festivals that originated in Rome were combined with the Soween Festival. The first festival that was combined in celebration with Soween was known as Feralia. The Romans traditionally held this festival in late October to honor their dead. They would leave flowers and food at the graves of loved ones. The second celebration that was combined was a day to honor Pomona, the goddess of fruit and trees. Her sacred symbol was the apple, and this is most likely where the fall activity of bobbing for apples originated from. 
These Roman holidays closely matched with the purposes of Samhain, and so all the festivals became celebrated together as one eventually. And they exchanged their different activities and ceremonies, and it became a cultural mixture between the two. By the 9th century, Christianity had spread into the Celtic lands. As the Celts began practicing Christianity, their old traditions blended with their new religion. Pope Gregory III moved the Catholic holiday, known as All Saints Day, from May to November 1st, which coincided with the traditional Celtic New Year. Later on in the year 1000 CE, the Catholic Church named November 2nd as All Souls Day. So November 1st was All Saints Day to honor all martyrs that had passed, and November 2nd was All Souls Day to honor everyone who had passed. All Saints Day became known as All Hallows or Hallows Miss. The word hollow means saint or holy person, which makes sense for the purpose of that religious holiday. Since All Hallows took place on November 1st, October 31st began to be referenced as Hallows Eve, the same night as the traditional Halloween festival. Over time, the names mixed creating Halloween. It is widely believed by historians that the date shift of All Saints Day and the creation of All Souls Day were the Catholic Church's efforts to replace the pagan holiday of Halloween with church-sanctioned festivals that still honored the dead. This is most likely true in a and a widely accepted theory because at this time the church had a pattern of redeeming pagan practices to help ease conversion efforts for a group of people. This is also seen with other religious holidays, such as the influence of pagan traditions on Christmas and Easter. Despite these church-sanctioned events, the old traditions did not die out. The burning of the bonfire still took place, but this time it was to honor the saints. The turning of the seasons were still celebrated, but now by the glory of God. Catholics would celebrate All Hallows Day and All Souls Day by dressing up as saints, angels, or demons. This was mirrored after the Mass in disguises worn to originally hide from evil spirits. These were days of feasting and time to remember those who had died, just as was done for centuries before. The tradition just evolved, but it survived alongside the new Christian teachings. All these intertwined holidays continued to grow, and a new custom developed called Soulene. On All Souls Day, people who were poor would visit wealthy households. They would receive pastries referred to as soul cakes in exchange for their prayers. They were asked to pray for the homeowner's dead relatives. This practice is thought to have been driven by the Catholic belief at the time that souls would remain tormented in purgatory until they were elevated either by prayer or by paying money to the Catholic Church. After the Protestant Reformation, the souling tradition continued in both Catholic and Protestant communities. However, there was a shift in practices with people who began following the Protestant faiths. Instead of being given soul cakes and asked to pray for dead family members, they were just asked to pray for the current members of the household providing the dessert. In Ireland and Scotland, the youth put their own spin on the souling tradition. They would dress up in costume, as was the holiday tradition, and accept offerings from various households. Instead of offering their prayers, though, these young people would sing songs, recite poems, tell stories, jokes, somehow share a skill of theirs, or rather, a trick. In exchange, they were given food or money. This was where the idea of trick or treat was born.
Making jack-o'-lanterns is one of the most popular activities that people of all ages do around Halloween time. People have been making jack-o'-lanterns for centuries, though. The history of jack-o'-lanterns traces back to Ireland as well. It is based on a folktale which focuses on this man, referred to as Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack was a con man that had a weakness for alcohol. The story goes that Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. When it came time to pay for the bill, Stingy Jack stayed true to his nickname and did not want to pay the bill. So instead, he talks the devil into transforming himself into a coin to pay the tap. The devil agrees and transforms into a coin. Jack decides then that he would rather just keep the money, so he pockets the devil. Jack puts the devil in coin form into a pocket with a silver cross that prevents the devil from transforming back into his true form. Eventually, Jack agrees to release Satan, only if Satan agrees to not bother him for a year and never claim his soul when Jack dies. The next year, when Satan returns to harass Jack, Jack tricks him again and ends up with free fruit and the promise that the devil now won't bother him for 10 more years, as well as still never claiming his soul. Eventually, Jack dies, as all people do. God refuses to allow such a despicable person into heaven, yet Satan has promised never to claim his soul, so Jack can't go to hell. Satan gives him a burning coal to light the way, as he is doomed to forever wander alone without ever reaching a final resting place. Unable to hold the coal, Jack carves out a turnip into a makeshift lantern to hold his burning coal to light the way as he walks alone. In Ireland and Scotland, people began making their own version of Jack's lantern. They would take turnips and potatoes and carve them into scary faces. They would put candles inside to illuminate them. These were meant to frighten Stingy Jack and other evil spirits that roamed when the dead came back to the world on Halloween. These hand-carved lanterns became known as Jack's lanterns, and sometimes instead of being referred to as Stingy Jack, he was called Jack of the Lanterns, which then evolved into Jack-o'-lantern. When Scottish and Irish immigrants came in large numbers to America, they brought their traditions with them, including carving jack-o'-lanterns. They realized that pumpkins, a food native to America and plentiful in the fall, made a great canvas and was actually better to work with than their traditional potatoes and turnips so they adopted the pumpkin for their jack-o'-lanterns. America is a country made of immigrants. The different immigration waves and groups that have come to America over the centuries have continually shaped the country's culture. Halloween is just another example of this. In the 1840s, Ireland was being crushed by the potato famine. Waves of Irish immigrants fled to America. While there were some smaller scale traditions that had been present in parts of America from the original English colonists, the Irish immigrants brought Halloween festivities with them in full force. The Halloween celebration was now a combination of Celtic and Roman, Catholic and Protestant aspects. It had been molded and changed by these different influences over centuries into this now conglomeration of different ideas. Thanks to these growing immigrant communities, the old world traditions of jack-o'-lanterns, souling, bobbing for apples, and wearing disguises were brought into American culture. Over the course of the 19th century, Halloween spread and grew in popularity across the country. By the 1920s, there was a problem, though. It had become a custom among the youth of America that instead of offering prayers or skills, they put a new twist on what tricks they wanted to play for the holiday. Pranks and vandalism on Halloween night became the new custom in the Roaring Twenties. 
The pranks and vandalism became so escalated that many U.S. cities had campaigns to ban celebrations of Halloween to end the damages and the violence that were being committed. When the Great Depression hit, it only added to the problem as tensions and frustrations were inflated in the population. New social campaigns began in the late 1930s to offer organized Halloween celebrations or parties for the youth of communities to keep them occupied for more sinister activities. Social committees started offering costume contests, parades, and offering candy to kids that would knock on their door instead of trying to prank that house instead. It was during this grassroots movement to help tame the holiday that the phrase and practice of trick-or-treat was created. These new ways of celebrating the holiday were stopped during World War II as rationing on sugar went into effect. After the war, trick-or-treat returned bigger than ever with the height of the baby boom. The rations on sugar had ended, people were expanding into suburbs, and everyone wanted the American dream. And with that came the tradition of trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating solidified its place in Halloween tradition in post-World War II America. Halloween has grown into the second most popular holiday in America, second only to Christmas. Over one billion pounds of pumpkins are grown each year in the U.S. There's a whole genre of Halloween movies, not to mention horror movies, that become popular at this time of year. Halloween stays well and alive this year in the U.S. The amount of money spent on candy is predicted to rise to $3 billion this year, and the total amount spent on Halloween as a country is rising to $10 billion. One-fourth of all the candy sold in the U.S. each year is purchased just for Halloween. Over 40 million American kids will go trick-or-treating this Halloween night, and 80% of Americans say they will celebrate the holiday in some way this year. So from me to you, Happy Soween, Merry Hollowsmas, Good Tidings for All Soul Days, and finally, Happy Halloween, everyone. If you enjoyed the show today, please subscribe and tell a friend about it. If you have a request for a future topic or just want to say hi, you can send an email to howdidweendupherepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show's Instagram account for updates and extra content. All the music you heard in this episode, along with all the resources used, are linked in the episode's description. I'm Amber Hammond. Thanks for listening.